0: Do people really even care who the next general manager is? I'm starting to wonder because it gets discussed and debated by almost nobody that I can see, hear, or read. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into... Hockey and or baseball take it from the guy who's in New York covering the Stanley Cup playoffs that I also offer daily shots of penguins and pirates where you found this. The Steelers have yet another candidate in their GM pool who's had a second interview, and that would be Ryan Cowden, the Tennessee Titans vice president of player personnel. He's been with the Tennessee organization for a long time. And he joins a cast of second interview candidates that also include John Spitek, the Bucks' vice president of player personnel, and our own Doug Whaley, the former GM of the Bills, who's also worked with the Steelers in the past. And I say our own because I do TV work with Doug on Sunday nights on WPXI. And oh, by the way, I also go so far back that I covered Doug as a running back at Upper St. Clair. So (laughs) I feel comfortable throwing you in there, Doug, as an our Doug Whaley. And I would imagine, given where this process is currently, and for anyone who doesn't know, that means it's really just Mike Tomlin and Art Rooney doing the interview. And Kevin Colbert is now out of that process formally, having retired. I think it's going to be a while. I don't think there's any rush to get this done, not just because Tomlin said so around the time of the draft, but also because it's just so important. And if you enter a process like that with a firmly preconceived notion or a preconceived favorite, you're probably not doing that process justice. So I can say right off the bat, that I admire the fact that the Steelers have had 16 different candidates interviewed, that they are now in what appears to be a deliberate mode with their second wave of interviews. And I should add this, maybe, and stick it atop the list, that they've brought in so many people from the outside. It seems kind of crazy to think this, because we view the Steelers as a promote-from-within organization. And they do that a lot. There's a lot of that that occurs within the coaching staff especially. And the same applies to scouts and evaluators and so forth. So there's a reflexive tendency to believe that there's no way this is going to somebody from the outside, except if you want to get into some history here. Tomlin came from the outside. Colbert came from the outside. Bill Cowher came from the outside. Chuck Knoll came From the outside, and so on and so forth. Why? Because in every one of those events, they just went out and hired the best possible person. They didn't worry if they were from Pittsburgh or had Pittsburgh ties, although some of them obviously did. They just went and got the person they felt was the best, not only at the job, but also the best fit for the way the Steelers do things. That said, I am going to continue to stubbornly insist that they'll end up hiring a GM from within. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. I can't let go of the idea that Brandon Hunt is the guy, that he's always been the guy, and in the same breath tell you that I believe that the process is genuine. They could have brought in you know how it goes, four or five candidates, whatever the requisite number is, they could have met all of the the various uh, minority requirements, since they're the very last team in football that you would expect to try to circumvent the Rooney Rule. And they might even have had time for some obligatory favors, uh, as often happens in a process like this. There's people that you like, that Maybe they've done something for you in the past and it looks good on their resume to have interviewed for an NFL general manager's job. That's, by the way, why they make these things public, including the second interview, including Cowden's interview yesterday. But ultimately, I keep going back to the very beginning of this process when Art Rooney spoke back in January about what he wanted to get out of it. And he said, among other things, that he wanted to have that continuity. He wanted to have someone who does things the way the Steelers do them. He even had the sitting general manager participate in the first wave of those interviews. That is not common, my friends, not just in sports, but in any walk of life. Hunt. Who is a football guy to the core, who is an evaluator of talent to the core. He's not a cap guy. He's not a contract guy. He's a football guy. Has worked right there at the side of Colbert and Tomlin for years. He's seen the drafts. He's seen the free agency pursuits, meaning from the football evaluation standpoint, he's overheard or participated in conversations that Colbert and Tomlin have had while watching a player, maybe even on the opponent's sideline in the middle of a game and saying something about it. There's no one in this field of candidates who can match that. Now, whether or not Hunt absorbed all of those things, whether or not Hunt would be able to apply them in a measured and poised way, For many, many years to come, we just don't know. But I'd like to think that if the Steelers already employed Hunt in such an important capacity for so many years and had him right there under their roof in their office, then they'd already feel he was a qualified potential successor. And I feel as if, again, they're doing the right thing. Looking far and wide, and if someone comes along who floors them, maybe they can make a different decision. I still think it's going to be him. But I'm going to repeat this from the intro. It floors me that more people don't seem to be talking about this. It is a really, really big deal. This is the person who's going to be largely responsible for the construction of the roster of your favorite football team, but in addition to that, largely responsible. For the continuity of the culture, people don't come close to knowing or appreciating, even if they do know, how much Colbert meant in that specific area. This man bled black and gold, still does, and was involved in every little minutia of trying to preserve that culture from one wave of players to the next. It is a really 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 big deal stating the blatantly obvious when we come back just one question this portion of daily shot of steelers is brought to you by our friends at mike's beer bar they're located directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. They are the one, the only, the premier destination in Pittsburgh for craft beer. More than 500 craft beers available, more than 350 of those local, and more than 80 of those on tap. Mike's can't be topped, not for beer, not for the awesome kitchen and menu that's available, not for all the special events that are going on there. Check them out online at mikesbeerbar.com. Mike's Beer Bar, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. And today's J1Q comes from Lazaro, who says, DK, what have you heard about Mateo Durant from Duke, who's received a very good contract? And there's another running back named Jalen Warren from Oklahoma State. Lazaro is responding as a lot of you did following yesterday's episode about a couple of undrafted free agents that the Steelers have signed with an eye toward having them compete for backup running back jobs. Yesterday's episode, I focused on the two actual backup running backs in the mix, and I identify Benny Snell and Anthony McFarland as that because the head coach identifies them as that, and He's going to be kind of influential in making that call. Now, out of the two UDFAs that you mentioned, Lazaro, the one that's piqued my interest right from the beginning was Durant in large part because he did get a franchise record bonus for a UDFA. It's not a ton of money, but it's still a statement that gets made. Those guys don't get much. They usually get a bonus in the range of ten dollars to $12,000, something like that. But in Durant's case, he's 5'11", 190, which is whatever for a running back. That's actually pretty standard fare. He's shown terrific speed, both in workouts and in the games that he played at Duke. Overall, for his career, finished with 2,562 yards, caught 55 passes for another 488 yards, scored a total of 22 touchdowns, 18 of them on the ground that's a pretty nice career. And if I don't sound blown away by that, it's because the UDFA running backs could have been drafted and they could have been drafted ahead of a seventh round quarterback, which the Steelers needed like a hole in the head. You can find a fourth string quarterback anywhere at any time up to and including the end of camp. Whenever Quarterbacks are getting cut all over creation. If you want a Josh Dobbs, you can have a Josh Dobbs. So one thing I always like to say when it comes to trying to get into the heads of team management is watch what they do, not what they say. If the Steelers really valued either of these UDFAs, including Durant and really thought they could come in and compete for the number two job, number two, behind Najee Harris. That means getting on the field, in all likelihood, every third or fourth series. It means excelling on special teams, as Snell does, and it'd obviously have to mean, in addition, that he'd outperform McFarland, who was a pretty good back at Maryland. Say what you want about Durant's career at Duke, but McFarland and his achievements at Maryland, especially the one monster game that he had against Ohio State that really drew scouts to him and drew teams' attention to him, these aren't the same thing, these two players. And look, I know everybody loves to get excited about... You know, the guys that are off the radar and trying to latch onto them early because then, yeah, I knew about that guy back when, whenever they turn into something. And and look, they do sometimes, okay? I co-host a podcast every day with Ramon Foster, who was an undrafted free agent who ended up with 11 fine seasons in the National Football League here. So I'm not dumping on the UDFA concept as a whole. They're out there. James Harrison wasn't drafted. But for the purposes of this discussion and this depth chart, I believe that the head coach has already spoken to the matter by identifying Snell and McFarland as the guys who will be the multiple dogs on the one bone. But way more important than that, they showed you, they showed you at the draft that they'd rather have a fourth string quarterback than a second string running back. So let's see how it plays out. Let's see how they do in camp. Heaven knows the one thing you get to see a lot of in training camp and preseason settings is whoever the running backs are all the way down the depth chart. Everybody gets a ton of carries except for your starter. You want to make sure you're not pounding Najee Harris into the turf. In meaningless August action. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers, to another one.